Well, hello there, everyone, and uh, welcome to Grace Fellowship. Merry Christmas to all of you at Saratoga, Half Moon, Latham, and of course, all of you joining us online. What a joyful time of the year this is, but I think you'll agree that for millions of people, Christmas is also the most stressful time of the year. You have gifts to buy, and there's all the pressure that goes with getting just the right one. You have errands to run, cards to write, plans to make. Uh, Many of you have family who come in, and perhaps your travel plans are frustrated because of the coronavirus pandemic. And you wonder to yourself, even if I can travel, should I? Is it a responsible thing to do? Is it worth it with having to quarantine and all the risk that may be involved with that? And then, of course, shopping. Amen? Shopping is a category all its own. I was reading a number of articles this week on kind of the psychology behind shopping. I was just curious. Dr. David Lewis is one psychologist who's done extensive research on husbands, for instance, who go shopping with their wives at at Christmas. And he found that the blood pressure, serious now, on husbands who shop with their wives is equal to that of combat pilots going into battle. And these are on men aged 22 to 79. Now, I've always suspicioned that that was probably true, but that sort of confirms it for me. I was also curious about the shopping patterns comparing men and women. Now, I know that stereotypes are dangerous. I get that, and so I want to make a bunch of disclaimers here. If this doesn't fit you, then the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. You may be the outlier. I applaud you if these patterns don't apply to you. But according to the articles I read, The research is pretty conclusive. Men and women tend to be very different in the way they approach shopping. Women treat it as more of a social event, the article said. They even tend to dress up. They tend to want to be social with people for the most part and that kind of thing. Kind of see and be seen. And it's just this this wonderful experience for so many. For men, it's more like hunting game in the wilderness. It's what the article said. You go out. You have a strategy, you bag the game, and you get back home as fast as you can. Now, again, disclaimer, I know this doesn't describe everyone. If this doesn't describe you, that's totally fine, wonderful. But I found a little 12-second video that compares the difference in how women tend to shop and how men tend to shop. And I I just believe it captures it all. Let's watch this video together. Now, don't blink or you'll miss it. It's very short. Here's the video. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. I don't think that needs any commentary. That captures it all right there. But maybe for you, it's not the shopping. Maybe it's the stress of having family members who don't get along. And you're kind of worried this Christmas that they're going to argue about politics or get into 
the virus and how we ought to be viewing that or some of the cultural, social issues that are going on. Or maybe for you, it's wondering where you're going to get the money to have the kind of dream Christmas that you really desire to have. Well, here's the deal. While Christmas is certainly a stressful time for us, I think if we went back in time to the first century, we would find that we aren't the only ones struggling. Back then, you'd find a lot of people who were down and depressed, fatigued and frustrated, just like we are today. So I'm going to read a few verses from the classic story. You've already heard them from this platform, but let me read some of them. Again, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And verse 3 says, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So what we have here is this newly married couple leaving family, traveling some 90 miles to Bethlehem, and the wife is about nine months pregnant to boot, ready to give birth at any moment. Now imagine, just imagine for a few minutes today, some of the stress related to their lives. First of all, there was probably considerable family stress. I mean, what a way to start a marriage, huh? You talk about stressful. My mind this week drifted back to when Debbie and I got married. We were planning to be married long after the Billy Graham crusade in the Capitol District was over. That's when we planned our wedding. But the dates on the crusade were changed, and the dates of the crusade were moved to one week after our wedding. Pressure. I was majorly involved. We had made all these preparations for a wedding, and so I got permission from my supervisors to go ahead with the wedding, but boy, the honeymoon was going to be short, and I'd have to be back here ready to go, and so that's what we did. We had our honeymoon. It was wonderful, but we moved back, came back to the Capital District where we were going to be living. And wow, I jumped right into the work down at the Knickerbocker Arena, as it was called in those days, in downtown Albany. And the hours were long, and I was in charge of the co-labor corps that processed all the cards every night. We would usually be up till three or four in the morning processing these cards, these decision cards from the crusade meeting. And I was overseeing all the counseling that happened there, and so I was exhausted day after day. Not a great way to start a wedding or start a marriage. Maybe you've heard of the Holmes and Ray stress scale. It's kind of a classic. The research was first done back in 1967. And these researchers, they kind of quantify with numbers big major events in your life. And so... Each major event has a certain amount of stress attached to it. A new marriage, very high on the stress chart. New home, new environment, very high. Major travel, new baby, huge stress on the stress scale. 
Bottom line, if you put together all the stress that Joseph and Mary had in their lives, it would be enough to blow the top off of their head. The first year of marriage is tough enough without all those additional pressure points that they were dealing with. One young woman said to her mother, Mom, is it true that in India some women don't know their husbands until they marry them? The mother said, oh dear, that's true in every country. (laughs) And it really is. And that's the season that Joseph and Mary are in. Boy, the honeymoon is over. They're in that season where, wow, this isn't the person I thought I was marrying. This is the real deal now. And to boot, they were the focus of a lot of ugly rumors, whispers everywhere they went. People whispered about illegitimacy. Come on, guys. Don't expect us to buy that. Even close family members thought Joseph was making the mistake of a lifetime, throwing his life away with this woman whom he had reasons to question her character. I mean, this was a family situation just loaded with potential problems. No wonder they felt stressed out. But I wonder about you. What's causing you family stress this Christmas? Maybe you've had a relationship that's kind of either fallen apart or at least drifted through time, and it's awkward, painful. Maybe your family, like most families, doesn't communicate very well, and you dread getting together. I mean, it's like a volcano ready to explode. One of the most painful points around Christmas is when a marriage has broken up or a loved one has died and there's going to be an empty seat around the table this year. Things are going to feel incomplete because of that void. My mind started thinking of the families I know right now at Grace Fellowship that are dealing with major loss this year and nothing perhaps causes more stress than the family stress that is due to distance, death, or divorce. For instance, I think of the the wife whose husband walked away earlier this year and the children are really missing their dad. I think of the businessman whose dear mom passed away and wow, is she going to be missed this Christmas and her gourmet cooking, and how she comforted and brought the family together like the glue in that family. I think of the elderly man who just a few days ago said goodbye to his wife of 60 plus years, and this will be his first Christmas without her. I think of the mom and dad who won't have their daughter around this year because sometime earlier this year, she passed away unexpectedly, tragically. I think of the young husband whose father is on life support as we speak, far away in another state, but they will be distanced this year because of the pandemic. I could go on and on and on with situations that I'm just aware of due to distance, death, or divorce, they have created family stress. And that is the reality, just the reality that many of you are facing. But there's another burden that Joseph and Mary face that I think is very true today, and that is physical stress. 
Now, Joseph had been born in Bethlehem, but he's living now in Nazareth, which is 90 miles away. Uh, Verse 5 here in Luke chapter 2 says, he went there to register with Mary, who is pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, like many of you at Grace, Joseph was self-employed. Oh, I respect and appreciate the self-employed women and men in this church. And you know how it goes, right? There, there are no personal days, right? I mean, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And guess what? As a self-employed person, as a carpenter, Joseph, this trip was going to take roughly two weeks' time, and that's if they didn't even linger around very much. And yet no one is exempt. Everyone has to go back to their hometown and register. He has to do it. And Mary needs to go also. She needs him. They need each other. And I can't imagine the physical stress of this. She's about to give birth. Nine months pregnant, 90 miles. How are they going to do this? That's a lot of restroom stops, folks. That's a lot of inconvenience. And the baby is going to be born. How are they going to take care of an infant on the road like this in these primitive conditions? I mean, riding on a donkey isn't a very comfortable way to go. And maybe you're facing physical challenge this December. And it's hard for you to kind of get into the joy of the season. Maybe you were planning to travel, but COVID-19 concerns are causing you anxiety. And maybe your schedule is just exhausting you. And you find yourself kind of pausing at times going, as you listen to the holly jolly Christmas songs in the mall, when am I going to get to get in on that, huh? When am I going to get to get in on the peace on earth, goodwill toward men part of all this? Because right now, it feels to me just like a pressure cooker. It's also physically demanding. And on top of all that is the psychological stress that goes with it. I mean, shortly after Jesus' birth, when they take him to the temple for dedication, which was a traditional thing to do in their culture as Jewish people, Mary hears this Wow, very, this is not the thing you want to hear when you're dedicating your baby, let me tell you. The old man Simeon blessed them, it says in verse 34, he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Think of this mysterious old man looking Mary in the eye and saying those piercing words. He's giving her a foreshadowing of what's going to happen some 33 years later when her son would be crucified. Now, I doubt if anybody's going to make predictions like that about your child but many of you are parents, right? And in my opinion, there is perhaps no more challenging time to raise a family, to raise children than in our current era. 
the addictions and the power of technology, the troubling cultural and racial divisions, the political intrigue make this world a madhouse. I mean, it's like a volcano ready to explode. And it all adds up to a lot of psychological stress. I mean, how in the world are you going to raise healthy kids in a world that's gone mad? And all of you parents know what I'm talking about. You have these thoughts all the time. And even though you do your best, and even though you pray for wisdom, and you seek guidance, you know how stressful it is. But finally, there's also the economic stress that they were dealing with. I mean, Mary and Joseph didn't have much money. Sound familiar? One of the reasons we know they were rather poor is because Later, when they were scheduled to offer the customary sacrifice at the temple, instead of a lamb, they took the option of offering two pigeons. You say, what's the significance of that? That was the option that was provided for the poor who couldn't afford the more costly sacrifice. Now remember, Caesar Augustus has demanded this census for one simple reason. He wants more tax money. So they want to start counting noses so they can get more nickels in the tax coffers. It takes a lot of money to run this big old whopping Roman Empire we've got. So tax, tax, tax the people. That was the philosophy. 2020 has been a difficult year economically for many Americans. In spite of early government subsidies, many smaller businesses have been forced to close. Credit card debt is mounting and Christmas and buying gifts. All that goes with that simply adds to the pressure. All of these things are very real. And all of these were among the stresses, and there's probably more, but these are among the stresses that Joseph and Mary were dealing with and that many of you are dealing with today. But you know what? In spite of all that being true, I think there was an unexpected joy that helped them get through that season. And the joy came in the form of this promised and prophesied baby, but it also came through the confirmation that God gave through the shepherds. I love this part of the Christmas story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. How can that be? What's so important about this event that would bring joy and hope in the midst of chaos? I mean, stress is the reality of life, is it not? But here's what I want us to grasp and understand today. No matter what your personal situation, in the midst of our stress at Christmas time, Jesus can infuse joy into every single day. You may have boatloads of stress, but that's not the end of the story. You see, 
Christmas is an awesome time for the people of God, people of faith, people who are seeking God and looking to God as their hope. Here's why. Because the message of Christmas transcends all the chaos in the world. It's a message of hope and triumph because God is with us. That means that he is sufficient for any challenge we may be facing. His manifest presence is the antidote for the stress in our lives. And I'll, I'll, I'll even make you a promise. I'm going to make you a promise that that circumstance, that reality in your life that's so painful right now, if you will let it, if you will lean into God, if you will rely on his grace, it will produce a bumper crop of character for you tomorrow. I'll give you that as a promise, folks. I don't even flinch giving you that. That's God's MO. That's his track record. That's the way God does it. God knows what you're going through. And he's promised never to leave you nor to ever forsake you. He cares about you. And I promise you, Christ follower, I promise you, one day it is going to be worth it. Don't you love Revelation 21? It gives us that picture in heaven. And it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So even if December is a tough one for you, you can still be joyful in the midst of suffering if you're convinced there's a reward coming. You know, it's not pie in the sky. It's not check your brain at the door time. Oh, yeah. No, it's reality. God has promised there is a reward if we are faithful and don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says it so clearly. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So if this season is stressful or even overwhelming for you, remember Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Now, before we wrap up today, I want to invite you to be prayed for. We're going to do it in a way that's a little unusual. I'm not going to ask you to move anywhere or go to the altar or, or move to another seat or something. But I do want to invite you to be prayed for as we get ready for Christmas 2020 and then the new year 2021 that's coming right on the heels of that. And you say, well, pastor, what? Who's this for? Well, maybe you've lost someone close to you in 2020 and you're grieving that enormously. Mom, dad, child, brother, sister, close friend. And now you're facing your first Christmas without them. Or maybe it was some years ago. It's your third or fourth Christmas. But, you know, honestly, you're kind of surprised that it doesn't seem to be getting better. And you're finding grief lasts a lot longer than you ever thought. Or maybe you're feeling lonely this Christmas season. Your family is split up due to divorce or they're in disarray or perhaps you're struggling to get a job and pay the bills in this COVID-19 season and you're, you're feeling it. You're feeling the stress of it all like never before. 
Whatever the reasons your life may be gripped with stress, we would just love the privilege of being able to pray briefly for you before this message ends. So if God has been speaking to your heart, if you've been saying, yeah, that's me, and you fall into one of these categories or perhaps something I haven't even mentioned that's just It's just such a heavy load on your shoulders today. I don't want you to feel pressured to do this now. But I invite you right now where you are just to stand to your feet for just a moment or two. And I'm going to pray for all those who stand at all of our locations. At Saratoga, would you stand please right now? Latham, would you please stand right now? Half Moon. If this is describing you and you say, you know what, I just, I need prayer. Would you just stand to your feet for just a few moments? And then in a few moments, you can be seated again. And you're saying by standing, I need the prayers of this congregation. I need the prayers of of Christian people who really get it. I invite you to stand. Thank you for your courage in doing that. It's my belief that sometimes one of the hardest things in our life is to admit, I need courage. I need help. I need God's grace in my life. I hope that grace is and will always be a place where we can just humbly admit, hey, I'm hurting here. I need prayers. I need support. I need help to get through this. So thank you for your courage in standing. Can we bow our heads, please? Let's just pray to God. Lord, on this cold December day, I pray that for everyone standing, there would be a sense of your warmth, your presence in and around them, drawing them close. Help them to remember that whatever stress they're facing, they're not in this alone. Remind them of your words that you say in your word over and over again. I will never leave you, nor will I ever (coughs) forsake you. Wow, what a comfort. For those who are hurting emotionally, I ask that you would bring comfort and encouragement in this very day, in this moment. To those who are struggling physically, I ask you would bring the breakthrough and the strength healing to their body, healing to their soul. Some, I'm convinced, are under intense spiritual attack. It's very real. I ask in Jesus' powerful name, you would rebuke the devourer away from their home, away from their life, away from their doorstep, and that you would show yourself strong on their behalf. Give them the freedom to flourish in your grace and in your manifest presence in their lives. And finally, Lord, I pray for those who are honestly overwhelmed with the stress of it all this season, that you would remind them that it's in their moment of greatest weakness that you have the habit of showing up big time and demonstrating your strength. May this be a Christmas that in a wonderful, positive way, they would never forget 
Cause these courageous people to thrive, Lord, through the adversity that's going on in their lives. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated for just a few more moments. Oh, I love Psalm 34. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God can sustain you. God can give you strength to overcome any challenge you face. That's the message of Christmas. He is with us right in the mess that we're in. And if you're a disciple of his, I got even better news. He's in you. That's even better. Not just with you. That's good enough. But if you're a disciple of his, by his spirit, he is indwelling you and transforming you from the inside out. I close with this story. It brings me great comfort. I heard about a father who walked past his son's room late one night only to find the door cracked and the boy's light was still on. He thought his son had been asleep for a long time, but he peered in and he saw his son reading a Wild West novel. And he knew the boy was supposed to be asleep, but the boy was kind of smiling, all giggling. And he was saying, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Well, the father was curious. And so he pushed the door up and said, son, I, you're supposed to be asleep. You need your sleep. What are you doing? He said, well, I, I, I'm reading this Wild West novel, dad. Son, I, I couldn't help but hear you saying, you're going to get it. What? what does that mean? The boy was a bit embarrassed that his dad had overheard it. But he said, look, dad, I was reading a book. I was getting so bothered and discouraged because in every chapter, it just looked like the villain was beating the tire out of the cowboy. and It was driving me crazy. So I skipped to the end of the book and I read the last chapter. And now I know what's going to happen. And so as I'm reading through the book now, whenever the villain is getting the best of the cowboy, I just smile and say, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You see, when you know the end of the story, you're not overly concerned with the development of the plot. Folks, I've read the end of the book. And in the end, the Christ follower wins. As a follower of Jesus, I don't know how the plot of your life is developing right now. I don't know how you feel things are going. Maybe you feel like the villains are winning. Maybe you feel like the enemy is getting the best of you and just beating the tire out of you. But I've read the end of this story. And as Christ's son or daughter, you when? So please don't get overly worked up about the development of the plot. You win. And not only do you win, but because of what Jesus has done, you and I can have joy in the journey every single day. Let's rejoice in that this Christmas. And let's enter into this season, right into the heart of it in these next few days, with hearts brimming with confidence 
because we've read the end of the story. Father, thank you that the story works out well. Thank you that you are victor. And when we're in you, we are victorious because of you. Father, I pray for all those again who are dealing with so much. Thank you that you are their strength today and that you're going to show yourself strong on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.